Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. Hey, Keith. Uh, happy end of 2018. Oh, my God. How is it possibly here? I don't know. Sort of weird and crazy. Oh, I know. It's it's so cliche to say how, how time flies. But it does. But it does. It's <laughs> that thing where, you know, the seconds go by, the minutes go by, the hours go by. The 525,600 minutes. How do you measure? Measure a year. How about love? Thank you for joining our musical theater podcast. Seasons of love. Okay. Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts and the occasional partial harmonies (laughs) of Keith and Katie. Katie's a much better singer than I am. When we sing together, I just dip really low. <laughs> yeah, right. She, she takes the lead. Yeah, right. Uh, in addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. This is our special year-end episode of The Pop Shop. My, how that time flies. So we'll be recapping some of the big winners on Billboard's 2018 year-end charts, including Drake, Taylor Swift, and Post Malone. Posty. Plus, we've got an interview with someone who made a a splash in a big way in 2018. We have an interview with Dan Smith from Bastille. We talked all about the group's mega hit, Happier, with Marshmallow, their latest Other People's Heartache mixtape, which includes covers of Cat Stevens and and Vogue. Of course. (laughs) And their next album called Doom Days, coming next year. So stick around for all that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, and we really hope you do, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider, and, uh, you know, that way you won't miss in a single episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. So, with the year coming to a close, and considering Billboard announced its 2018 year-end charts recently, we thought it would be fitting to go over some of the notable highlights on our year-end charts. Uh, So, without further ado, the big daddy of all the charts, the big kahuna, the the chart. The champagne poppy of charts. (laughs) That would be... Not to give things away. (laughs) You just gave it away. Um... Our top artists uh, list is sort of the, the biggest list of them all. And on our top artists list, Drake is number one. It's probably no surprise to anyone that's paid attention to pop music or music in general in 2018. Yes. Uh, but Drake rules as Billboard's top artist of the year and scores the year's top Billboard Hot 100 song with God's Plan. It's the first time he's been tops on either year-end tally. And he's just the third rap act to be the year's top artist, following 50 Cent and Nelly, believe it or not. And, like, 
he had three number one hits this year on the Hot 100. Yeah, and three. That, you may have heard of that album called Scorpion. <laughs> you might have heard of it. It's just you know he, it was it was Drake's year, and the rest it of us were just sort Drake's of living in it. Year. Um, so here's the fine print about our year in charts. Our year in charts um, are based on chart performance on our charts, dated December second, two thousand seventeen, through November seventeenth, two thousand eighteen. That means the charts dated. And that actually reflects like the data kind of like almost like a week and a half ish before those chart dates. So it's almost like we're like a November to November yeah. range, which is kind of how a lot of year in charts work. Um, the year in top artist category specifically, where Drake is number one, ranks the best performing acts of the year based on activity on the Billboard 200s chart, Billboard 200s chart, the Billboard 200 albums chart, and the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart as well as streaming, social media, and Billboard box score data. I think we just got a phone call. <laughs> now, data registered before or after a title's chart run is not considered in these standings. So, you know, if an album came out shortly before the chart year began, then, well, that activity doesn't count on our charts because it wasn't on the chart during the chart year. Yeah. Um, now, that methodology detail and that sort of November, November to November kind of period accounts for some of the differences that you'll see between Billboard's year-end lists and the lists that you'll see at the top of 2019, which show Nielsen Music's top songs, artists, you know, albums of 2018, because that's actually the sort of the full calendar year. Because they're being all stodgy and following like the actual, you know. Yeah. So if you enjoyed all of those stories, if you enjoyed all those stories that I that I wrote or kind of uh, edited for our year-end charts. Tune in at the top of January when you'll see more from me about the Nielsen calendar year. Yeah, You know, because it just never ends. <laughs> so following a, a very male-dominated 2017, where not a single woman ranked in the year-end top 10 overall artist list for the first time since 1984. Yeah, and that was ridiculous. Oh. I did that research a year ago, and I'm like, I couldn't believe it. Well, it was different this year. Three women are among 2018's top 10. We have Taylor Swift at number four. Cardi B at number five, and Camila Cabello at number 10. Friend of the podcast, Camila Cabello. Yes. Now, Swift tops the year-end Billboard 200 albums chart as well with Reputation, making her the first act to have the year's top album with three different releases. She previously did it in 2015 with 1989 and in 2009 with Fearless. Now, Adele has claimed the year-end number one Billboard 200 album three times as well, but she did it with two albums. Ah, yes. 25 did it in 2015, and then she did it twice with that album that you may have heard of, 21, (laughs) in both 2011 and 2012, which means, like, she had the most popular album two years in a row, which is just nuts. Like, I think at the time when I wrote that, I think the last album to have done it before her was Thriller. Um, that puts it in perspective. Yeah, like that just sort of, like, oh, that's how popular that album was. <laughs> Anytime you're like, the only other person who's done it is Michael Jackson, then you know it's a big deal. You know you're in like some weird other universe of like chart <laughs> phenomenon and success. Elsewhere in the top 10 on the Billboard, uh, you know, the year-end Billboard 200 albums chart, um, Post Malone actually has two albums in the top 10. And uh, that's the first time an act has doubled up in the top 10 on the year-end list since 2010. And the first time a hip-hop act has ever achieved the feat. Uh, Post Malone's 2018 release, Beer Bongs and Bentleys, ranks at number three on our year-end list, while his enduring 2016 set, Stoney, sits at number nine. That Stoney album just wouldn't go away. It's wild. 
so collaborative singles continued to grow in popularity in 2018 as a record seven of the top 10 year-end Billboard Hot 100 songs are team-ups, led by, of course, the unstoppable B.B. Rexa and Florida Georgia Lines meant to be. Friend of the podcast, B.B. Rexa. Indeed. I have to say that every time we mention someone now. I know, well, I know people are probably tiring of it. No, I love it. Well, and it, it grows. It grows. Because we keep talking to people. <laughs> and um, when we say collaborations, you know, we mean songs that were, you know, by artists who don't normally record together. So obviously, BB and Florida Georgia Line don't normally <laughs> record together, and um, you know it's just sort of incredible to see, you know, how collaborations are so sort of the normal. norm. It's just that's it's very accepted and very normal. And there was a time when that wasn't the norm. Yeah, like you, you just I mean it was I remember when it was like a big deal when like Mariah and Boys to Men got together. Yeah, for Once We Day or when like Madonna and Britney did you know Me Against the Music. Or it's just, it was very unusual for collaborations like that to happen. It used to be an event. And now collaborations are so normal, they're just not really events anymore, which I think kind of takes away some of the fun of like, like what at this point would constitute like an event collaboration? Like who would it have to be? Yeah, I actually, I'm trying to find, I'm furiously typing here. Uh, I I did an interview. I was stalling because I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I did an interview (laughs) with Alanis Morissette. Like, when was this? I gotta look this up again. It was in 2015, oh and it was when she sang with Demi Lovato at the AMAs, and she talked about how weird collaborations were in the 90s, and that it was especially weird in rock music. But now, like all bets are off. Right. And she, her quote was, "In the 90s, collaboration was an odd thing. It was like Picasso and Monet doing a painting together was just kind of gross." <laughs> And I really liked that analogy because, like, yeah, that's it's when you think of it, and they are artists. We call them artists. It's that's a weird idea because it's such a singular personal art form. Mm-hmm. But then it's clearly like people, you know, the lines are no longer there. The collaboration, the collab, collaborations. <laughs> Say that word enough, and it just seems weird. <laughs> the collaborations that were sort of before the '90s that. And this is a tangent. This isn't part of our notes. The ones that I remember as being like big hits were usually kind of unique moments. Like, you know, Barbra Streisand and Neil Diamond doing You Don't Bring Me Flowers, which in itself never meant it wasn't meant to be a duet in the first place. It was a fabricated duet where a radio station took two existing solo recordings of the song by Barbara and Neil mashed them up and started playing it and then Neil you just and taught me something I did not know that what you didn't did not know that oh I'm sure I've said it before on the show well Barbara Maybe when Jason co-hosted Barbara, Barbara and Neil both had their own solo versions of you don't bring me flowers on two separate studio albums wow and um and they were both in I guess the same um like tempo okay um uh, basically and so a radio station DJ took them, took the two songs, spliced them together to create a virtual duet and started playing it. And then he started giving out copies of the song to other radio stations and it became this sort of this weird regional national wow. hit. Then the record labels started to notice what was going on. They're like, okay, maybe we should just properly record this together. Right. So Neil and Barbara got into the studio and did the song and then it became a huge number one Hot 100 hit. Wow. But back in the day... Something like that was a, an event. Donna Summer and Barbara Streisand doing No More Tears Enough is Enough is a big deal. You know, when um, 
you know, it, it was just unusual. And it would it'd have to be a very unique circumstance for a duet like that to happen between two megastars. And now, now in total, 43 out of the year-end top 100 Hot 100 songs are collaborations. Thanks for cir- bringing it all back there. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> Almost half. If my math serves me. Uh, you know, there's been at least one collaboration in the year-end Hot 100 Top 10 every year since 1994. And uh, you may be wondering, what was the first collaborative effort to reach the year-end Top 10 on the I Hot 100? I am wondering. Well, that would be Frank Sinatra and Nancy Sinatra's father-daughter duet of Something Stupid, <laughs> which was the number seven song of 1967. Didn't Robbie Williams do that with Kylie Minogue? Your girl Kylie? No, they oh, did. Oh, no, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. He he also did a duet with Kylie that he was a did. big one called I love Kids, that song. which is a great, That's great what made me track. think of it. Yes. Well, lastly, we thought we'd take a look at some of the interesting, similarly named titles that charted on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart this year. Okay. So, you know, we're thinking like, you know, ZZ, Fifi, Kiki, Tati. By the way, all of those are <laughs> four letter song titles. All of them are in all caps, all capital letters, and each of them have, you know, kind of a uh, consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel. Yeah. So, so Z-E-Z-E-F-E-F-E-K-E-K-E-T-A-T-I. Yes. And then we also have to give an honorable mention to the chorus of Drake's In My Feelings, where he shouted out, Kiki. Yeah. I feel like I also also should mention that your colleague Xander wrote a great article about Kodak Black's ZZ being the highest charting Z song ever on the Billboard Hot 100. Where's ZZ top when you need him? <laughs> ah, and then there was... I like it, of course, Cardi B. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I lived it, mm-hmm. and I miss you. Oh, it's like it's it's almost like a country song there, and just four song titles. That's crazy. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. I like it. I love it. I miss you, and I lived it. <laughs> there you go. Let's New not song. let's not forget. No brainer. No excuses. No mistakes. No name. No roots, and no stylist. Wow. Of course. What a time to be alive, Keith. It's such a weird, weird year. What will 2019 bring? I don't know. More more, more Kikis, Fifis, ZZs? Maybe. Tatis? What would be the next one? Gigi? Well, uh, I'm sure whatever it is, 6 9 or Kodak Black will make it sometime soon. Maybe Dan Smith from Bastille. Oh. Oh, huh. Interesting you should mention Dan Smith from Bastille. Segway. Because now it's time for our interview with Dan Smith from Bastille. Yeah. Uh, Dan and his band are having a killer year, and it's ending with a bang thanks to their unstoppable collaboration, Happier, with Marshmallow. The song is Bastille and Marshmallow's highest charting song ever on the Hot 100, so far peaking at number three. It's also number seven on our year-end Hot Dance slash Electronic Songs chart. And speaking of the year-end charts, Bastille has three tracks in the top 50 on our year-end Alternative Songs chart, with Happier, Quarter Past Midnight, and World Gone Mad. They had a good year. They had a good year. Yeah. So uh, we got on the phone with Dan, and we talked all about the runaway success of Happier across many different genres. Their new song, Grip, with Sieb, which is featured on their latest Other People's Heartache mixtape, and what 2019 has in store, including the release of their third album, Doom Days. So please enjoy our interview with Dan Smith from Bastille. No, that means I'll have to leave. Hello to Dan Smith from Bastille, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. 
Oh, thank you so much for taking the time. And it's a pretty exciting time to be talking with you because your song Happier with Marshmallow is at its number three peak on our Billboard Hot 100. And this song is just absolutely everywhere. Um, So first of all, just tell me when you realized what a phenomenon this song had become. Um, Good question. I I guess um, everyone that we've worked with has sort of been excited about the song for a while. Um, But I guess we've been in London working on our our new album and um and you know i've been doing a lot of writing for people and and been on tour so i've sort of been a little bit disconnected from it and i guess i guess there was a point where the song was just sort of i don't know because i've been at home i think more more than i'm on tour i was aware of like oh this is on the radio quite a lot like in the uk and and um i guess just getting a lot of a lot of messages from a lot of people but it's just one of those songs i think obviously because it's a collaboration um we we sort of we like collectively as a band took a couple of weeks off, and uh, Kyle, our keyboard player, went sort of uh, backpacking around, around uh, California. Um, Will, our bass player, used to play, and I went like travelling with some mates in uh, in India for a couple of weeks, um, which was obviously really fun. But just hearing it there, um, out of like out of a shop, <laughs> and 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 having that realization that this song was kind of, you know, we're lucky that it's sort of just done really well and and being like feeling like a massive fraud in the back of like a tuk-tuk <laughs> um in a traffic jam in like a small indian town hearing the fellow though this is so bizarre <laughs> but um yeah no it was it, it's uh it's been amazing to see how it's done it's really really amazing yeah, I mean, it truly is uh, global, like you said, just, you know, happening to hear it in India. Um, how did how did you and Bestiel end up working with Marshmallow in the first place? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I wrote this song um, a while ago, not really with Bastille in mind. And um, like I said, kind of everyone in our team was just um, very adamant that it should be something in our world. It just didn't quite feel totally like it sat with like our records or, or kind of, you know, with us completely. So we, we, um, I was just, I was kind of quite adamant that it should be a, a, a collaboration and, and really, really like <clears throat> all of the, all of the, the productions by Marshmallow that I'd heard, like particularly Silence that he did with Khalid and, you know, that was all over the, there was a point in the UK where that tune and the one that he did with Selena Gomez were kind of just, you know, unavoidable in a really nice way, and um, it, you know, it just made me think that of the of the, of the kind of DJs and, and EDM people around. But he, I don't know, I thought it was something kind of interesting, a bit different, kind of hip hop leaning and and tasteful about his stuff. So you know, we got in touch with him, sent him the song in its original version, and uh, yeah, he was like, he sort of pretty much called me straight around and was like, let's get working on this. So. Um, yeah, we, we sort of like knocked it back and forth quite a bit. He wrote the drop. I think he tried a lot of different drops. And uh, and the original structure of the song was really weird. It had, it had like, it basically had like five sections that cycled. Um, and at the time, we weren't sure. We were like, is this, is this genius? But it's got five <laughs> sections and I don't know which one's the chorus or is that the worst idea in the entire world? Anyway, um, Marshmallow was like, that's the worst idea of the entire world. So we, uh, uh, yeah, we just we, we sort of messed around with it for a bit. Kind of, he worked on it. He'd send it over. We'd chat about it, and then I ended up <clears throat> when I was in 
LA going to his studio and spending spending the day with him and working on it. And it was, you know, I'm really glad we got to actually, you know, work on it in person. Yeah, just you know, I, I recorded some more vocals, that poem, sent them over. Like it was just something we kind of uh, properly like collaborated on for a little while, and uh, yeah, and people heard it and got excited, and yeah, it's, it's uh, the rest is the rest has been you know the last few months of our lives. Yeah, I mean, I think the message of the song of, of being selfless and, and letting someone go seems to really be resonating with people. Have have fans been sharing their own personal stories with you after the song came out since it's such like a, you know, a, a deep uh, song? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably what slightly scared me about the song initially. It was, it's so direct. And I think a lot of our, you know, the music that we write is kind of, it's quite melodic and, you know, they've got big choruses and stuff, but we, we sort of lean towards slightly probably bizarre, more veiled, like, song topics. So to have something that is, like, you know, kind of super personal and very direct and straight down the line, I think, you know, I think that's the kind of, that's potentially what sort of, you know, really hits people. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, people you know, all the time, I think, have, have sort of, have shared their stories and and said back like yeah why it means a lot to them and that's that's like that's amazing you know it's uh, it's it's always just it's, it still blows my mind you know writing a song in a room as like some some windowless room somewhere and 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 because of what you're thinking that day and the idea that it will you know reverberate out over the course of like a year or so and then become a song and then get on the radio and then people hear it and like oh yeah and and, and and they can relate to it or it speaks to them or like articulate something that they weren't you know hadn't articulated quite out loud before or whatever um it's 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 um it's kind of very surreal but yeah i think the, the song people kind of you know some people are like oh my god chill out <laughs> that's so intense and sad um but also the video that marshmallow's team made um, also seems to really, really resonate with people, and I think that's we sort of get get told a lot about that as well. Oh, I can only imagine. I mean, any story of like the love of a of a close pet <laughs> will always hit people in the heart for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting how it seems to div- like divide opinion. Any pretty much anyone who has a close, like you said, like a close pet, um, has a really strong reaction to it, and then people that have never really had pets just are like, yeah. Fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, another huge thing about this song is just like how it really, you know, blurs genres. I'm, you know, your your band has been, you know, put into this rock or alternative category, and obviously Marshmallow is EDM. So this is getting like airplay on, you know, K Rock in LA rock station or on like mix shows, you know, DJ mix shows, and of course uh, pop radio, uh, you know, across the world. You know, does it? Um, seem like that's kind of a big part of its its widespread appeal like how many different music listeners it's truly reaching yeah i mean I, i'm I, I was um wasn't expecting it to find a home alternative um and so that was you know awesome that, that it did and it resonated with, with the people like um and those stations like i'm obviously super grateful for the support that they've given it i guess it's i guess for like an edm song it's got like proper chugging guitar um which, you know, which kind of, I, I remember when we were working on it and that, the the, the, the proper kind of, that, yeah, that, that kind of guitar chugging came in. I was like, are we, 
are we cool? Is, is this okay? <laughs> Can we go down this route? Um, and uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess it's, that's one of the things that kind of you know that allows it to stand out. I also think you know it just um, just the production's got a lot of space in it, and it kind of allows the songs to sort of do its thing. And I feel like it kind of it allows you know it, it shows. In the sense, in the, the true sense of collaboration, like yeah, there's kind of moments for our band, and there's real moments for him and his production marshmallow there as well. So, yeah, it's um, it's been it's been amazing to see it, see it kind of embraced everywhere and and see how how you know how it's done. You know, I guess in his world of kind of of EDM and our world of alternative, and then ultimately like crossing the block, it's yeah, it's fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, switching gears a little bit, Bastille has a mixtape coming out, um, and it's the fourth part of your Other People's Heartache series. And it starts with a cover of Cat Stevens' Wild World, and it made me wonder, um, that's also the name of your band's last album. Is that cover kind of a, a nod to that previous album? Yeah, massively. So, so um, yeah, I guess our mixtapes are just a space for us to collaborate with other artists and producers and, and um it's kind of like the spirit of, of those mixtapes is 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 you know what led us to do happier and and, and with marshmallow and all, all that kind of stuff and um you know we were debating whether or not that sh- that, that song should be standalone or if it should be on the mixtape or like or where, where it should live but um yeah i guess you know the first couple of mixtapes that we did were before we had a record out and they were you know at the time i was really inspired by you know, Nostalgia Ultra by Frank Ocean and, and The House of Balloons by The Weeknd and, and, and they're kind of playing with pop culture. It was, you know, an interesting mix of like original songs and interpolations of different, you know, pre-existing productions or songs or whatever and um, and also they're, they're just putting it up online for free idea <clears throat> was something that really appealed. So we made those two, like, when we were making our first album and it was about mixing, you know, film scores and film soundtracks and covers of songs that people kind of know but they don't know where they're from with film quotes and our own songs and different versions of things and it was just a really fun kind of canvas to yeah to to, to experiment try production stuff and and have fun with with other songs and yeah and and, and it's kind of continued and when we did our third mixtape we'd released our first album and we were on the road and it became we tried to do the whole like we we learned more about collaborations and original songs, so we got to work with people that we were meeting at festivals and you know people we made friends with and were hanging out with, and that was really fun, you know. Um, and then this 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 one, I guess, was meant to be like a bit of a bridge between our second album and the new one that we're releasing next year. And I guess um, yeah, it, you know, the, the world world starting with world world and ending with warmth, which is um, a song that you know, the quotes kind of wild world um, was meant to be a, a kind of nice way to tie it all together and to sort of, to look, to look back at all the stuff we were talking about on our last album and um, and sort of bring it to a close and, and bridge, bridge our two records. But I, yeah, that song by Cat Stevens is just, it's, you know, for me, my friends used to listen to him all the time when I was a kid, so it was just always running around the house and in the car and it's like, you know, it's got like almost like lullaby status in terms of how um, ingrained it is. So getting to do a cover of that was like slightly scary, but also really fun. And I think we mm-hmm. just thought it's such a beautiful song. We just we just did as sparse a version as we as we could. Yeah, and it's um one of uh, a few other covers on the on the project as well, including En Vogue's "Don't Let Go." How how do you choose these covers that you do for the mixtapes? <laughs> um, I guess I guess. Uh, 
I guess they're just songs that, like, that when we think of hearing them, they just make us really happy and, and they're, like, undeniable. And also, there's something about them, like, a certain strain of, 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 of pop music, I think, particularly from, like, the kind of around the, like, 90s, that was, like, they're these, like, sort of massive bangers, but they're kind of insanely sad. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, a little bit like with Happier. It's about finding those songs that you can take and kind of flip on their heads and, and you know, have a bunch of guys from London do. But I don't know, there's just something about that that's really fun. And, and we worked with a guy called Craig David who, you know, was, is, you know, is, is huge in the UK. And when we were kids, he was like one of the biggest pop stars around. And, and so there's a kind of really nice symmetry to, to having, you know, someone who we're probably hearing on the radio alongside on Vogue when we were kids like actually doing the song with us and then with this new singer called Kianja who's who's amazing so you know with the big states as as much uh it's as much as an opportunity to collaborate with with people that we've known and admired for ages as, as it is with new artists who we think are amazing and just want to champion yeah, um, one of those collaborations is uh, the first release from the mixtape, Grip, with Sieb. And, you know, some fans might recognize the song because you um, performed it before, um, albeit a totally, you know, different version of it. So how did that all all come together with Sieb? Yeah, uh, Grip is a song that we, yeah, we, we played at a festival a couple of years ago, and it was like a big kind of rough around the edges guitar song about just not being able to let go of something and not, not quite literally not being able to leave a night out. Um and we've sort of it's just it's just got a bit overlooked in our in our camp I guess and and, and there's a song that we always really loved and our fans seem to really connect with but um it never it never really had an outlet. And uh and the sea guys got in touch about about collaborating on something and I you know, I just thought like, let's just see what a fresh pair of ears brings to this song, you know. It'll be really interesting to see what happens because we had no you know, we had no plans to release it. Um and it it kinda of came back from them, they did work on it, and, and it's just it's just so interesting. I mean, hearing your, hearing a song that you wrote, you know, hearing, hearing a tune that I wrote in my bedroom, you know, completely reinterpreted. Um, yeah, it was it was fascinating because it's quite a weird dark song, but obviously their production is is quite clean and and, and different to necessarily what we would have done. Um, and it was, I, you know, I, I was like, oh, it makes me remember how much I love the song. And then they obviously wrote and added this crazy drop where they pitch my vocals sort of all over the place and they sort of shoot way up <laughs> into like the stratosphere and I guess my, my first reaction was like I guess I think I might have kind of laughed a bit and they're like what is this <laughs> um, but, it, and, but but I, I kept coming back to it and yeah so we just we kind of you know a bit like the Marshall Energy and we kind of batted it back and forth I think as a producer and as someone that's co-produced all of the Bastille stuff um, it's, it's always interesting I guess giving the reins to somebody else, but you know, in in the spirit of wanting to try different things and push ourselves into different spaces and and kind of feel a bit uncomfortable sometimes. It's like that's exactly what the mixtapes are about. That's what they're there for. Um, and yeah, I just I think like with us, like we're a pop band. We you know, but we we make alternative music. We make electronic music. Like we make acoustic music. We you know, this year for us has been about about trying trying new things and, and that's why it's been really nice to work on this mixtape alongside our album and then also we did a tour earlier this year in Europe where we took all of our songs and um, completely flipped them on their heads with an orchestra and a gospel choir and and, and you know and got on, a, got on a couple of buses and just toured around 
tour around the UK and tour around Europe. And it was, you know, it's just, it's, I guess we're enjoying being able to be able to go and play <laughs> classical versions of our songs with, with a massive gospel choir. And then also, you know, work with people like Marshmello and Sieb and, and, and loads of new artists and, and yeah, and just, and, and experiment and try different stuff. Like it's, it's, um, it's nice. I think it's kind of the, the like genreless unboxing of things is, is, uh, it, it's a nice, it's a nice time to exist in, I think in that respect. Definitely. And and you mentioned uh, working on, on your next album called Doom Days. Um, it's coming next year. That's a pretty heavy title. Um, so what is the vibe of the, of the project so far? <laughs> it is, but then I guess our first album was called Bad Blood. Our second album was called Wild World. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's I guess we're, we're not known for like, overbursting joy and happiness and, uh, and, and, and flowers and, and puppies. But, um, but uh, it's 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 basically I've got this we're calling it an apocalyptic party album and it's it's kind of loosely charts the course of a night and it's just about you know it's it's kind of it, it's like a small part of my last album and if you know if if that was the kind of red pill of of seeing all these massive changes in the world and like changes in our lives and, and slightly freaking out about them and, and and trying to figure out how to get your head around it and how to react because there's no answer to that and it's just it's just confusing it's like full stop um you know this this album is a little bit about acknowledging that over the you know the last couple of years things have gotten stranger and 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 it's you know and no less confusing but um just you know how important it is to kind of also look inwards a little bit and and have have like try and find moments of like fun and joy and and, and escapism and so it's sort of it's kind of about about escapism and, and you know for better or worse how you know it's, it's, there's a point to which it's healthier than there's also like there's a line that you can cross quite easily um but you know musically we want it to be you know it's kind of um in places it nods to sort of like 90s 90s british dance music it's not a dance record but um you know our, when i say pocket party album by party i, I mean like quite a sort of like British rough around the edges tradition of like you know probably drinking too much mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> staying out late you know it's like it's like pubs and house parties and raves it's not like it's not like champagne popping parties with like you know glamorous people and stuff because that's not that's not really like that's not our life and that's not like how we how we personally do things um, so we wanted it to feel kind of warm and fuzzy and a weird like nighttime record so yeah it's just this kind of slightly odd journey through the night and you know the title can be interpreted in you know whatever way you choose to interpret it but um yeah it felt kind of fitting and there's something about the like it just sounds quite dramatic which i quite <laughs> really love well dan thank you so much for your time um we really appreciate it um congratulations on your massive year and we're really looking forward to hearing all the new music next year Oh, thanks so much for having me. Sorry that you had to listen to me <laughs> wait on for ages. <laughs> yeah, right. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, it was so great talking <laughs> with you, and uh, and have a great show tonight at, at Barclays Center. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take care. All right, you too. Thank you so much to Dan for taking the time to talk with me. Uh, Congratulations on the many achievements of 2018 and good luck on all the new music coming next year.
Looking to upgrade your audio? Get Powerhouse Sound for your music and podcasts. Sure Sound Isolating Earphones provide immersive audio and complete freedom in a custom comfort fit. Pair with your Bluetooth device or use the innovative detachable cable system to plug directly into any device. Flexibility never sounded so impressive. So visit Shure.com slash listening to save on select models during the holidays. And now, it's time for the Chart Stat of the Week. Would you believe... 20 years ago this week, Cher's comeback smash, Believe, debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. The song, which famously employed a vocoder-like process on Cher's voice, premiered on the list dated December 19th, 1998, at a rather lowly number 99. But eventually it hit number one on the list dated March 13th, 1999, and spent four weeks atop the list. It was Cher's first top 10 since 1989's Just Like Jesse James, and her first number one since way, way back in 1974 ah. with Dark Lady. God, I, this, this is going to be terrible. Like, everything's going <laughs> to be... The whole thing is sung through. <laughs> the whole thing is sung Pop through. Shop, we decided to do a musical episode for our last, our last podcast of twenty. From Seasons of Love to Cher. <laughs> oh, Oh, I'm flipping I'm flipping <laughs> yeah, my invisible the people, hair. The people cannot see you flipping your hair. <laughs> <sighs> okay, Believe would uh, go on to finish 1999 as the year's number one Hot 100 single. Since we're also talking about year-end charts, it was our number one year-end Hot 100 number one of 1999. And it would earn Cher her first Grammy Award. That ain't right. For best dance recording. It took, it. you know, Cher, she is just, she is endlessly undefeatable. Yeah. Just when you think. Well, but it's just wild. Like, she had so much classic music that that is her first Grammy. It's wild. You know, the the Grammys were cuckoo. Yeah, they are. They continue to be. They continue to be cuckoo. That's a whole (laughs) nother show. We love you recording Academy, but, you know, there's lots of kooky things with with your awards. In 2015, when I interviewed Cher (laughs) uh, about her then 50 year anniversary on our charts, she said that, quote, I honestly think the most fun I ever had making a song was Believe, because you didn't know it was me in the beginning, and I was so excited. And she was referring to, like, the voice on the song. Well, I literally thought it was, first of all, a a dude when I first heard it. No matter how hard I tried. I had no idea, and I I heard it in dance class, because I was a young last then and <laughs> uh, they played no i was definitely eight like 17 or 18 <laughs> but they played the song in dance class and i thought wow great song who does this like what guy does this and did not find out for like a week or so later that it was share wow yeah well i asked her if you know that was the intention if if the the sort of the processing of the voice was meant to be that way and she <laughs> said no it just came out of desperation <laughs> It turns out when she was recording the song, it just didn't pop. Something just wasn't working. They didn't like the way it just she felt like the she felt like the verses were kind of boring mm. and it didn't really get good until the chorus came along, which was like it, that sort of was immediately catchy. But she felt like the verses were kind of missing something. And so she left the studio that day and she went home and she was watching TV and she was in England at the time in London. She was watching a TV performance of an artist and they were using a vocoder on their voice in this TV okay. performance. She's like, that's it. 
She went to the studio next day, told the producer to put the kind of the process on it. And they did. And both her and the producer were like, oh, my God, let's just hold on to this moment. This just is amazing. But just because they thought it was great, a lot of people didn't think it was great. Sure. She had to fight with record executives who thought that people wouldn't recognize her voice. There were record label execs who were like, but the German fans won't know who this is. And she's like, "Uh, over my dead body, you're not changing this. Yeah. And obviously, Cher won out, and you shouldn't argue with Cher. Don't argue with Cher. That's the moral of this story. The song became one of her signature hits. And, uh, you know, she continues to perform it to this day, and she's on tour right now, so go check her out. And, you know, by the way, this year, Cher came back with a big new album, and she was in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, and... She announced that she's going to do a memoir and a biopic in the next couple of years, too, Keith. She has a she just won the Kennedy Center honor, and she has a show on Broadway called The Cher Show. Never argue with Cher. No. She's coming back. Always Sh- coming back. Cher is amazing. <laughs> Legendary, eternal diva. Also really freaking cool. Yeah. I mean, just Hilarious. saying. I mean, I've, I've had the great opportunity of, like, actually, I talked to her on the phone a couple times, and I interviewed her once in person at her house in Malibu. And we talked for more than 20 minutes, which was way more time than I was anticipating. And it was on video. She was a hoot. She was so fun. She was so nice. It was just, she, and she's everything that you think she is. Like when you see Adele, like conversing with people on TV, you, that's, that's probably how she is in real life. And Cher is the same way where I'm like, if she's like that, if she, I don't think she turns something on. I think that is just naturally Cher's personality. Right. She's as real as you think she is. Anyway, Cher is amazing. So there you have it. 20 years ago this week, Cher's Eternal Believe debuted on the Hot 100 chart. Do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say I really don't think you're strong enough now. Okay. We've uh, reached the end of our show and the end of 2018. Wow. How? What? I know. Why? What? When? <laughs> Where? Kiki. <laughs> We're just shuffling papers. <laughs> what's what's going on? Uh, well, I mean, we'll we'll be back at the top of 2019. Yes. We'll be back the second week. Uh, rejoin us then, as normal. We're taking a little break for yes. Christmas and New Year's, as as uh, those listeners should. And not giving away secrets, but we already have interviews like ready to go for you next year. So just we, like wait, we do. Um, <laughs> any uh, parting words about 2018? Oh or, man, or, or or just today? Oh man, that's a lot. It's been a great year, full of great guests, and uh, it really has. Yeah, no, it's it's like if we look back at the the list of guests for which, this year, which we literally don't have in front of us. It's great, though. I know it's great. I know it's great. Too. I lived it. I'm I'm <laughs> I, I mean I'm convinced of it too. <laughs> Ed Sheeran was in there somewhere. Ed Sheeran. Uh, we we had a, Stefani. We had Five Sauce on. Five Sauce for our, for our five year anniversary. For, for our five year anniversary, we had all sorts of people. Yeah, go check out. Go if you, if you're in the mood. If you haven't, you know what? Just like they used to say on NBC back in the '90s, you know, it, it's new to you if you haven't seen it yet. True. So you know, if if there's an episode that you missed this year. Go back and scroll through on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Hell, if you missed it last year, check that one out. I mean, you scroll back to five years. You you could watch some of our. Don't don't listen to some of our early stuff. It's not so hot. <laughs> um, what song should we go out on? Oh man, I don't know. 
Old Ang- old Lang Syne. Oh, it is like, it's that time of year. I actually, you know what I love is, uh, what are you doing New Year's Eve? Who's that by? Well, I have lot. there's lots of versions of it. I have a few favorites. Oof. Well, we'll surprise okay. you in a moment, or? No, uh, my favorite, 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 because he's always my favorite, is Harry Connick Jr. Oh, what a shock. <laughs> so definitely that one. All right, see you guys in 2019. Bye. What are you doing? with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.